that is of internet. You really want to save those crazy Swedes, don't you? My name is Matthew Kroll. And they're not Swedish, Mac. They're Norwegian. My name is Jamie Walsh. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Thing. Now... This is thematic. Jamie, welcome, and thank you so much for being uh, a wonderful uh, impromptu co-host. Hi, I was hoping that you wouldn't notice that I wasn't Shahir, but... Well, I was going to say, you have done what the thing has successfully done <laughs> and infiltrated the New Zealander's chair. You look nothing like him, so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at being the thing, but <laughs> no, I Shahir, tried Shahir. Shahir I couldn't had, get the height. Yeah, Shahir had a, um, had a uh, I don't want to say a prior engagement. Let's make up what Shahir has to do. Shahir has to go to an Antarctic research facility uh, to hunt a dog from a helicopter. He has to pull a real Sarah Palin. Shahir loves dogs, so I feel really bad about that. Well, I didn't make the rules. Um, Yeah, I don't know who made the rules that this movie should start with dog hunting, but I was thrown. So so uh, interestingly enough, dear listener, thank you so much for for being here and uh just so you know, this is my uh week of absolute he- heck. Hell heck has broken loose. Uh basically, I'm trying to cram 5 days of work into uh two. Shahir then told me that he wasn't available either and we do not miss a goddamn episode. So Jamie, my wonderful better half was so lovely and uh wanted to come and help me out. So we were we were brainstorming what film we could talk about very quickly and easily this week. And it came to our attention that uh, a Miss Jamie Walsh had never seen the 1982 John Carpenter uh, cinematic masterpiece. I say that with no sarcasm whatsoever. The Thing. Yeah, I I remember my parents watching it when I was a wee thing and I was trying to sneak into the room to watch it and they were like, get out of here. And I think that they made the right parenting choice there. I think... I don't show your kids this movie. Well, yeah, I mean the 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 funny the funny thing about the thing is, and we'll get into it a little bit more, um, is that that it is one of those movies that I feel like was constantly on as a kid, places and parents, my parents, but also protected me from. Yeah. Uh, but the the weird thing is, especially watching it as an adult, not that these special effects aren't cool, they definitely are. Uh, of course, they look a little dated, but they're also awesome. I see like those things, like the monster effects being the things that would give kids nightmares. That's not what gives me as an adult nightmares. What gives me an adult uh, nightmares is basically what the movie is actually positing. Yeah, it's twofold for me. As an anxious child, I would have A, been frightened of the body horror, and B, definitely gotten the vibes that something was very, very wrong and people were going to go down. Yeah, uh, Matt, why don't you uh, fly your helicopter over the burning husk that is IMDb and you can tell us what this film is about. Oh, the burning husk that is IMDb. That is, um, well, I mean, I do want to no say that. No disrespect to IMDb. Uh, well, I think that's, that's, fairly, that's fairly disrespectful. I mean, I know I give them crap all the time and rightfully so, um, but you never know. The, the, maybe they're going to turn this one around. All right, here we go. <clears throat> A research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance <laughs> of its victims. That is... That's it? That is accurate. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. This That's was, it. So, That's so actually... Soup b- to nuts. Before we actually get into the thing, before the thing gets into us... Jamie, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to expect a lot of that. Uh, what is your history with John Carpenter? Very little. Um, I, you know, I know his name. Uh, and I know that he's responsible for Halloween. Um, but I, I didn't know that this was his film. Um, 
it came up in the credits and I said, oh, it's John Carpenter. And you immediately listed off a few films. Um, yeah, he was very formulative. Obviously, Escape from New York is the reason why I yes, wanted to get into media. Yes. I've said that a million times. Uh, this is basically the movie he was given like a big budget for after his success there yeah. and uh, after his success with Halloween. This was like the money movie. Yeah. And it's funny because, uh, you know, John Carpenter is someone you do, you can understand the essence of without being, uh, you know, a, a film, a film school person like, like Matt fancy pants curl here. Yeah. But, um, uh, my goodness, does it really like nail him on the head? I thought this like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, I, no, it does. I mean, I, I wrote in my notes. What was the sentence? I wrote something that was, I, I feel like very true to form. And it was, uh, let's see, uh, John Carpenter in his prime has yet to be matched <laughs> is, is the actual note from I, my quote. My John Carpenter note was uh, the prosthetics are gross, campy, and horrifically effective, which sums up John Carpenter well. I mean, I, I, I don't I, know He's if... not gross, I think, but there's camp in his movies. There's almost like a... He leans into the reality of the prop see, rather than avoiding it, and yeah. I think he does it in a way that even when it doesn't look real is very disturbing. See, I don't think it's campy. I think at the time that was as real as you got it and that's as real as people were seeing it. So like now, of course, that when we're watching movies at this point, like it definitely reads differently. That's um, true. And maybe campy was the wrong word. I scrolled it uh, frantically in my notebook as well, we were watching. Well, because now, I mean, that's an interesting conversation bit to, to get into about, about these kind of movies in general. We go back and we watch these things, these classics. Like I've seen the thing a uh, hundred billion times. Um, and you saw it for the first time, which I'm very interested to sort of pick your brain about. Um, but like, you know, it's going to hit harder in uh, this darkest timeline, the year 2022, than it did <laughs> for me back in what, like 94, 95? I mean, I think it, I don't know. I, I, I think that this is effective at any time. It's got those Twilight Zone episode like moments of, of fear of human reaction and, and the nature of people in panic. Uh it, it's it's really perfectly done sci-fi horror for for the purposes of what it shows you about humans and 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 how they'll react to things that they don't understand. No, I 100 percent agree with that. I'm more meant on the like uh, effects level, not the overall meaning. Level. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, sorry. no, but, no, but that, no, no, but that brings <laughs> us. Let's let's dive back a little bit because the thing you just nailed down about this particular uh, story in science fiction is really important to its pedigree. Uh, uh, the, the way that this sort of story came about was actually, I think we did an, or there was an extra sci-fi on this before my time. John W. Campbell is the originator of basically this tale. Uh, his short story, I believe, do you have the name of it, Jamie? You, you mentioned uh, it earlier. Yes. It's who goes there. Who goes there. Um, yeah. So, so Campbell, a couple things about Campbell. First and foremost, he was, uh, the editor or the co-editor. I can't really remember of amazing stories, which was the, um, basically the birthplace of everything, uh, from the, you know, where the pulps ended up to where the golden age of sci-fi began. Um, and he wanted stories from himself and from the people whose stories he edited to not be these like pulpy nonsense books. He wanted them to be based in science and based in psychology. And that was really what nailed his sort of like style down. So to have this story sort of originate from him, uh, I think is very appropriate, uh, at least from from the, from the story that the thing turned out to be. He was also a pretty big damn racist. Um, and a Scientologist. Ultimately. And a sci he was the person who, I believe it was called Analog Magazine by the time he did this, because they changed names. Uh, yeah, he was the person who published L. Ron Hubbard's first bit on, on uh, Dianetics. Yeah, because he was hiring L. Ron Hubbard when he was writing 
science fiction stories. Um, uh, if, if anyone's interested, I just listened to a really excellent podcast called Ooh. Moonrise, Moonrise. Uh, uh, about the sort of history and politics and um, uh, cultural shifts surrounding our, um, our, our race for the moon. And uh, the first early episodes are about this very science uh, fiction publication and these writers and editors uh, and um, how influential their stories were in like influencing not just American scientists, but like Werner von Braun had a secret yep. uh, subscription going to him in, I think, Sweden? Listen, listen. <laughs> the The cool thing about science fiction is it has always uh, basically pushed scientific ideas. And by that, I mean people that are doing real science like reading science fiction and literally it inspires them to invent things for good or ill. The reason we have the iPod or digital music at all is because of Star Trek. There's, like there's there's and of course different bad things too. But you know <laughs> Well, there's another there's a great little Star Trek story where um uh, a, some NASA scientists called Star Trek and were like, we need to know how you get your doors to to just open in the middle. You know, like you'd normally see grocery supermarket doors now. Yeah. And the Star Trek producers were like, oh, we got two guys on either yeah, side yeah, pulling yeah. them apart. And NASA was like, this never happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's very fun. Also, it's funny. I was just looking down um, on the wiki for Campbell. And you mentioned the moon. So in, in he wrote uh, Who Goes There in 1948. His next his next short story. 1948. No. Oh, 48. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh, and then uh, the the moon is hell is his next short story <laughs> in 1951. Great name. Uh, which is pretty dope. I, 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 I'm down with that. But then our boy Johnny comes along. Johnny Carpenter, who also, side note, I, I've said this before. I can't not say it amazing musician and composer and puts on a damn fine concert. Uh, I saw him once uh, in Times Square of all places and in the, and I think the Sony theater um, with playing his, with his scores uh, and his band uh, with his son and his son's band. So it's very, very cool. Um, yeah. John Carpenter, I feel like is the perfect kind of um, man of the time to encapsulate a lot of what Campbell was trying to get across with this. Cause at the end of the day, these stories as you as you brought up, Jamie, are timeless. These stories of not knowing who or what the danger is. Yeah, uh, that that this kind of monster is so effective that I I was almost thinking like it's funny because there are such body special effects and and prosthetics in this movie and blood and gore and there was a choice there to go in a direction where you don't see the monster nearly as much, if at all. You know, like that could have been a movie that we watched instead. Yeah, and they did. They, it's, what I like about this movie in particular is how they undulate between, <laughs> that's a good word for this film, uh, a good no. a good word, a, a good uh, back and forth between uh, long shot suspense with jo which John Carpenter, Halloween, Escape from New York, all that stuff definitely leans into. Like there were shots of this movie of the dog, of the first dog, just like sitting there looking at stuff. Oh yeah. And that go good, on. Shout out to dog acting. Yeah. Really good <laughs> dog actor. Um, but like, you know, no modern film with today's uh, proclivities would ever do that. Like movies don't just sit anymore. And I'm not saying that it's always yeah. good when they do. John Carpenter with his use of sound music and cinematography 
just makes it work. You di- you got up at some point, and I was like, oh, do I need to pause it? And you were like, no, 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 that's the thing about a John Carpenter movie, is it It takes its time. And I looked back at the screen, and like the same helicopter had been yep. flying for 15 yeah. seconds. And, like, and I was like, how about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's and I'd seen the film, to be honest, many, many times. I knew we were in uh, establishing shot land, and you do not, you do not need to uh, be sitting with your eyes dead on for a John Carpenter <laughs> establishing shot. Um. Jamie, I guess my my question beyond beyond uh, what you know the the background of this film and its creators and writers etc. and the wonderment that is Kurt Russell. Let's just get that out of the way. Also, Wilford Brimley. Shout out to oh, Wilford yeah, Brimley, that's everybody. True. <laughs> um, what did you what did you think overall? Give me give me the the short synopsis of of Jamie's uh, initial thoughts into the into into just sort of like general musings. Okay, well, initial thoughts and Matt, I think you laughed at me really early on. Uh, if you haven't seen the thing in a while, uh, it opens up with a shot of like a super computerized spaceship, alien flying saucer flying down towards Earth, and then the light cracks through the screen and it says, the thing. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what is this? What are we about to watch? And then it, it immediately goes to, like, just a pure white tundra and a husky running from a helicopter, which I know sounds like a lot, and it kind of is, but it sort of immediately dislodges you from that effect of the flying saucer and how... Uh, d- d- specific it looks and and doesn't go back to that aesthetic at all i almost kind of wonder if like that kind of shot was really selling in movies at that moment so they were like you need to add this kind of weird computery uh you know corny shot of an alien well, flying it towards was we're just we're just uh getting past star wars time yes uh, yeah but again it wouldn't have been i feel computers. like that was a producer it, it would have been illustration or, yeah. or compositing which again um, is it, it, it's still vfx the um the thing I noticed weirdly before you continue on is the shot after it when we see the 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 mountain ridges. Yes. Uh, and eventually you see the helicopter before you even see the dog before you see any of that. It felt weirdly shaky, and I didn't know if like your projector's like motion blur thing was on or not. I was like, oh no, did the update we did to this thing right before we watched <laughs> it mess up the thing? Because like, it feels like a hyper zoom in, but someone's still handheld, and I didn't remember that. In the, yeah, in I the think thing. that's just and then guys the, on helicopters and how they used to film stuff. No, no, no. This was the guy. He wasn't on the helicopter. He was filming the helicopter. Uh, and then, and then in the second shot of the movie, it like levels out a little bit. Like, so I, I don't know. I thought I found that very interesting. Sorry, I, I oh. tangented. How? Uh, what? Then, then what? Past your initial. Uh, I don't not mockery. The, what yeah. would you say? Your home of the hum, thing. Hum. The thing that got me on board was the like. This dramatic dramatic dog chase outside uh, in in a frozen Arctic tundra, kind of odd. You worry about the dog. Then it's like a hard cut to the interior of the U.S. research station. And it's all these like plucky engineers, and they're drinking, and I they're playing call ping them pong. Plucky. I'd if, call them oh, run down. A slightly different costume change. They are all writers at NPR. Like it's it does <laughs> not. Uh, I really loved the cast. The cast is so endearing immediately that like they don't really know what the hell's going on. They do their best with what they've got. They're all smart. Like everyone in the movie 
you feel like could work at a research station. Sure. You know, sometimes you remember Alien Covenant when they're like, here's the biologist. And you were like, that guy's not a fucking biologist. That didn't happen in this movie. I, be- I believed everybody there had a job. It's funny. Uh, the reason why those characters and I'm not defending Covenant or, or Prometheus by any means of the imagination. But the reason why those people were dummy dum dums was because they weren't actually scientists. They were mercenaries hired to pretend to oh, be scientists. Well, there you go. OK, but. You accidentally complimented Alien Covenant. Oh, God. maybe. Well, that was Prometheus. If there were dummy dum-dum scientists in Covenant, then that might just be that they're dummy dum-dum scientists. I don't know. Oh, I'm thinking of Prometheus. I've blocked both of those films mostly out of my mind. It was a good choice. Anyway, I really loved the cast, and the cast really immediately, like, endears you into the movie. They get accidentally attacked by a Norwegian helicopter, and they don't. They're not, like... Even Kurt Russell's not really an action hero. Like, they're kind of like, oh, oh, geez, someone's got, okay, we got to get the dog inside. Like, they're kind of messy. Dude's playing computer chess when we meet him, and then he dumps his drink into the circuit boards because it beats him. Man, I would not start drinking hard liquor if I were at a research station in the Antarctic. Like, that seems like the worst thing you could possibly do there. That seems like the only thing you could possibly do there, other than research the Antarctic. Oh, oh. Like I, I think I would. I think I would just play solitaire and stare into the night and try not to let the thing that happened to Jack in The Shining happen to me. <laughs> the alcohol keeps that at bay? Question mark. No, I don't know. I don't think that's how it worked. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh, cast uh, is uh, among the elements of this movie. I thought the cast was like a surprising bonus that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. So, so I guess. Through through this odd little adventure you see through, uh, to your words, not mine, plucky scientists in this Antarctic research center, um, I, I always found this movie, and I, and I think it's kind of the point of it, I always find this movie hard to follow specific characters, how many characters there are. Like, it purposely, I think, sets you up in a way that you're not ever quite fully sure unless you, like, stop, pause, think about, you know, eventually read a wiki, etc. over all <laughs> the different characters and who's there and what's... Like, yeah. you don't even really know their jobs. Like, you know some that are, like, a scientist and some that are, like... The 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 official the the gen not the general but like the guy in charge. There's yeah they're vaguely specialized and then there's like the kid on rollerblades who cooks um who makes it who makes it a really long time uh, and they've got Gary who has a gun I think he's a sheriff of some kind mm-hmm. they've got a they've got the doc uh they've got Clark the dog man um you know they have Played jobs. By Richard Mauser I've always liked him and, and stuff yeah uh, Keith David is Childs. Um, I mean, I think that like even if you look at the costuming, it, a lot they're wearing goggles, they're wearing ski masks, they're wearing balaclavas. Like they've all got these heavy coats. They're, it it sort of obscures the, um, you know, s- small unique features of a person on purpose. And I think that that's very much to kind of keep us looking over our shoulders figuratively as we're watching this movie about who anyone you know they're. They're, they're in a bit of a uniform that that obscures them from us. Well, and I also think it's it, they never uh, again, I've seen this a million times and, and someone might be able to correct me if I'm wrong in background information or whatever. They don't like ever say like what they're researching. 
Like, it's just like, oh, here's a team of scientists. Yeah, I don't think that they do. And and so everything is intentionally vague. And it's it's so funny. Actually, I didn't even put two and two together. I have four pictures of Kurt Russell il- illustrations hanging above a beam in my kitchen from his movies like Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, etc. And the only one I can see at a perfect angle from where I am is him in the thing in his <laughs> outfit right, right. now. There that is, is so funny. Um, I, wow. Um <laughs> No, and, and and weirdly enough, there's something I'm going to get into at the end that a couple YouTube videos that I've watched uh, have talked about the wardrobe in particular as um, as reasonings why people think they figured out the ending. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, can you tell me about this theory? I will tell you about it when I... we get to the ending. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. you got well, another you got another 20 minutes or so of yammering about of the, film facts. Speaking of the ending, I'm genuinely spooked. I I. You know, it was not a jump scare movie, and I appreciated that, but I was riveted. And, you know, even though, you know, it's it's 82, we've got something, you know, uh, 30 years old, 40 years old. God, is this movie 40 years it's old? 30 years old. No, it's 40 years old. That sucks. Because I'm 40 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. We even made that joke when it started. We did. We did. Okay, so this movie and Matthew Kroll are 40 years old. Great. Um, I, I was... I was I was frightened and and uh, and compelled, and I had to walk the dog before we came over to record. And I kept looking over my shoulder at the park, and I think part of that is that the ending doesn't make you feel necessarily secure or safe. Well, going back to the horror element you mentioned, how there's not really jump scares, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because jump scares, I feel like, are good, but they're the easiest kind of scare. What this movie does is when it's about to show you the alien, it's like, <laughs> and then, and then it stays on this amazing prosthetic work for like five seconds longer than it should. Yeah, and you think it's going to be bad prosthetics, but by the end of it, you're like, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's really, really smart. And like, there's an odd um, consistency to how basically in the film if you haven't seen it uh here comes great big spoilers yeah, for yeah. the thing if you're listening to the thing podcast and you haven't also like it's been 40 know. years go I, see I, what what the dailies doing I, well, listen i feel like jamie is probably the last human on earth to have not watched the thing and now you've done it so now we've completed the cycle that's mean it's not mean <laughs> Why? We all have we all have spots we haven't I, seen things. I mean, I knew the premise. I just hadn't seen it because my parents told me not to when I was five, and I never did anything my parents told me not to do. <laughs> I know that is not true. <laughs> um, the I, I I like that it manages to make you feel uneasy through the choices of its slow takes and editing, but also like just hanging on horrific nightmare fuel creatures not in a way to make you like again even in today's day and age like believe it's real but like it feels real for the it's, characters it's just such a stretch of what we're visually used to seeing as monsters it's i mean it's they're works of art and they're all wet and gooey and there's like tentacles that look like whale penises everywhere and like what i noticed uh whenever they show the faces of something in mid transformation yep. or so it, the the recognizable faces, be it humans or dogs, that's really all we get. Yeah, they weren't like, yeah. and here's a hamster. There's pain. I noticed very specifically that the faces are contorted in a way that looks agonizing yeah. and scary. 
And that I found very effective. I mean, I you, you, you I feel like it's a lot of uh, look at sort of like um, this is not the correct term anymore, especially for any uh, children that uh, uh, die in childbirth or previous or, or whatever. But there's the the concept back in the day of the monstrous birth, hmm. um, and that is not a term that is uh, should be used anymore. But the, in, if you look at like. Um, preserved fetuses of of stillborn infants and things or things that have uh deformities, deformities or... etc like there's a lot of that sort of inspiration i feel like in this because again yeah, this is right. a creature in the film that co- that tries to copy its uh its victim on the cellular level it and it kind of also tries to ingest cell like cellular uh like uh you know molecular meat i guess like it's and it like morphs itself into itself yeah, and it, it remembers there's some there's some fast i like the term molecular meat by the way I'm, yeah I'm that was fun that. that was good um there's there's some fast action uh ideas of how things work in the movie and it's enough that you it keeps you wondering about it like i think it kind of half dissolves a dog but then another dog yeah the like, goo on the dog i didn't quite understand I, like yeah, it yeah, melted yeah. it like, like acid but then it kind of ate it it made me think just that the, the, the creature was trying to get its hands on as much matter as possible yeah um, you know in, what i like in varying ways yeah you know what i like about this movie uh that i think is kind of fun did you think that the the ship was the alien's ship or did you think that the alien ship was infested with this thing and crash landed on the planet oh you know what i hate right now what? is i uh i think that it's the latter and that's also what happened in that stupid chris pratt movie that we just watched which stupid Chris Pratt movie? You're gonna have to narrow it down. The one with the aliens, and he time travels, and he sees oh, his daughter. The Tomorrow War. The Tomorrow War. The Tomorrow War. I is was the... gonna say the Future Land. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, the Tomorrow War is the darkest timeline version of the thing. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, and I, I, you know, I was trying. So I, I was, I was thinking, who would I cast in a remake of the thing? And my brain went Chris Pratt, and the other part of my brain went Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this is not. Oh, side note: This is the. There's been three of these. I forget really? when the first one came out. I think it was in the. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's definitely a 2011 version that is not as good. Oh um, shoot! You know what? You're right. I remember somebody. I think the 2011 version actually might be a prequel. Uh, again, I do not remember I, off the top I'm, of my I'm head. I'm not going to Google it right now because I'll lose my train of thought. Yeah. But Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I, I hope they don't remake this because, again... I don't think that they would. Well, they, of course they will. It has a name on okay, it. Okay, well, good point. Uh, but I, the thing about this, the, what makes this movie kind of great and what makes it work, in my opinion, is the monster, while it is sort of the ticket seller, I, I would argue, even though I think it did kind of flop in the theater. Oh, really? Um, if I remember correctly. But... The thing that makes this work is not like it's not like <laughs> Predator movies up until Prey and uh, other than the first one have sold because maybe even because of the first one have sold because of the Predator. Like the Predator is the monster, and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see what the Predator is doing well, this the time. Predator is a character too, though. Well, it's not though because it's still a race of creature. Like each Predator mm-hmm. movie is not the same Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna pretend that I knew that, <laughs> and I'm gonna say, oh, you're right, you're right, of course. Jamie, have I been Absolutely. showing you Predator movies and you've been thinking that they're all the same Predator? You, yeah, um, yes. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the, the PCU, uh, the Predator cinematic, you, you and I, I need to watch Prey. 
Okay. It's real. I sure. think you'll dig the hell out of it. You, the last time you took me to a Predator movie, I did not was, say you'd like that movie. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a bummer, man. I said I would like that movie, and I enjoyed my time, and I've never thought about it again. No, but my point is, the thing, is horror, other than the visual acumen that we sort of see in the in the prop design. Is not the, it's not the creature. It's the idea. It's the invasion of the body snatchers idea. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the replicant theorem. It's like it's it's uh, fuck. It's Among Us, the video game. Yeah, like that's the thing that makes it scary. Yeah, and to me, you don't need the property of the thing to make this thing. Like you, you, it's it's the fear of the unknown and the fear that who you think is one person is actually not. Yeah. And if, as we said earlier, like if, if if Hitchcock made the film, you'd never see the monster. Hitchcock. I mean, maybe. Oh, maybe. I mean, he'd probably uh, show something by the end of it. Sorry, Shahir, for some something I just got wrong. Uh, but you know, this is John Carpenter, so you very much see the monster. And so I think his choice to lean into the body horror mm-hmm. is really strong. Like, there's a part where there's a, you know, there's a body. Things get wild. Uh, they realize it's uh, an alien and they start to burn it and the head removes itself from the it's body. Got, it's got to get away. And gets off of the table and like this tentacle comes out of his tongue. It takes a really long time for you to see just what happens to that piece of alien and a human combo. And it's absolutely arresting. I could not look away. I, I was in it completely and that is very impressive for this time period. Spider legs. It was wild. It's more like Alaskan king crab legs coming out of it, I uh, think. Speaking of things that you don't see, you know what I love mm. is that before this horror movie, another horror movie happened. Like the Norwegian base, we see the oh, Kurt yeah. Russell of the Norwegian base at the beginning. And he dies trying to kill the thing. And then you find out the whole Norwegian Research Center had already gone through this. Yeah. No survivors. Yep. That's a movie that we didn't see. We say there's multiple things. I wonder if that's the 2011 things. one. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Mm. I don't know. But I like that they're, they've set this up like this is not the first thing that happens. And, th- I mean, there's also... There's also some cheesy uh, sci-fi tropes in here when the scientist guy, is it Wilfred Brimley? Again, this is the weird thing. I'm having a hard time actually keeping track of identifying like where all these characters, like how, how to keep them all in track. But the, the thing I wanted to talk about was when the one of the science men uh, <laughs> goes to the computer and types in like, we, have, we see this little like little dot matrix, like sort of like this is how the arrow touches the thing and it turns from blue to red, but then to blue so you don't see it. And then it moves to another thing and then that turns blue to red and then back to blue. And then it goes into this like typed in thing where it's like chance of crew infected 75%. I was like, thanks, science. And then it's like chance of of if anyone survives the research station, you know, like in like 2,700 hours or like something. It was just like science facts. And I get why they were doing it. Like they were trying to set up stakes. They were trying to like get a real clean, easy, you know, sort of thing in there. It's just... It was just, it struck me as, as funny and simplistic. Yeah, they use all of the, uh, to get to get a lot of like um, uh, plot, plot execution and like rules and concrete information out quickly, they use that computer and they use uh, Blair, who is not the doctor. I combined them for like half oh. the movie and well, then, then I was like, the oh, thing. they're two different characters. You are literally the thing. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. The computer was a little slapdash, but I, I, I let it go because I, I thought it was a good way of conveying like, oh, yeah, like this will destroy humanity if it gets out of the research station. Yeah. You're now in a containment. The, the, and, and the other kind of neat thing about this is the way the infections work, you're never quite sure how many things there are because it can, yeah. it can like, I, I believe, and again, they make it kind of uh, hard to follow unless you go to the Wikipedia page, the, <laughs> the way that the things actually like, they burn one, but then like a little bit more comes out of it. And so it's not dead and it makes a different one. Like there's, you never quite know how many there are after the first volley. Yeah. They're like succulents. Like if you, <laughs> a leaf can come off of it and then that leaf can become its own plant that sits in your bathroom. Um, I, I liked that because it made it feel really messy and scarier, especially if, uh, if you, if you're someone who doesn't like sort of, uh, well, it's the parasite thing. It's why people don't like like a certain amount of uncleanliness is because they're like you you can't kill all the parasite necessarily. You know, there's like an idea of a disease spread that is very fundamentally human for us to fear. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I see that. Like the 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 I don't know. This is just a shot in the dark. If there was, say, some sort of viral pandemic that was out of control. Yeah. Uh, and we were all a, washing our vegetables like, and microwaving our salads. Not a good look. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, when we didn't know, it was a good look. I'm saying it just wasn't very fun. But no, there's an initial fear of like, you know. What is it? Mitosis? What What's the thing? Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com scientists. Is it mitosis or meiosis when the, when a cell splits or is it none of those things? Help us scientists. Yeah. Help us scientists. You're our only hope. Here we are talking about Campbell stories. We're like, science is important. We don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I really liked um, the multiple kinds of horror in this. Like we have sci-fi horror. We have body horror. We have the... Uh, philosophical horror of who you not trusting people. Yeah. Um, then there are those moments, and this felt very Halloween to me when he's like, "We got to go to my 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 station office," and they the guy who's with him is like, "Why?" And Kurt Russell's like, "Because I turned the light off when I left." And then they show the station office, and the light is on. Yeah, and my whole body freaked out. Yeah, they very do a lot effective. Of, they do a lot of moments like that. Uh, and it doesn't. I mean, it again. The movie kind of wings you around from person to person, so you can't totally keep track. But like, uh, it's. I don't know. The, the the scares are eerie and um very real and and really present the uh the intensity, the portents of the problem at hand. So really important question, Jamie. If you happen to be a very sober Antarctica research station person. I'm so sober in the Antarctic. Uh how would you go about trying to identify who was a thing. Ooh, oh, oh, okay. This was another thing I liked is that they were like, how would you problem solve this? Like they actively kept trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I, mm, I don't know. Uh, I was trying to think about this, you know, because you can't just isolate everyone on their own. Then um, eventually the thing's just going to leave the room and slowly, you know, uh, make their way through the camp. Uh uh, you know, Kurt Russell's confidence comes from the fact that he knows he's not the thing. So I like the the idea that he kind of takes charge via, you know, um, uh, the threatening to blow everybody up. 
because his character realizes it doesn't matter if they're upset with me for threatening to blow everybody up. I know I'm not the monster. So they have to do what I say and slowly I'll prove that everyone else isn't the monster. You know, so we're yeah. seeing it from Kurt Russell's point of view, but that character, you see the actor's decision of like, yeah, I trust myself, um, which makes him a really good action hero, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, and- I have no idea. I would curl up under a table. I'd go in and try to pet the dogs, and that's probably where I'd meet my end, apparently. All right, fair I, enough. I'm screwed. Do you know how many huskies there are in dog parks in New York? A lot. Yeah, yeah, you'd be dead. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't know. The one here's something that I um I've always had a problem. My one problem with the thing that has resonated since I've seen it the first time. Your one thing with the thing? My one thing. If I had one thing about the thing, it would be no, this. Tell me the thing. They never just ask each other questions that the other one wouldn't know. Yeah, and that's a bit of a plot hole of like, okay, like, okay it's gonna what, replicate you. Uh, how is it how how does it know your your bank password like how is it know how does it know to copy their mannerisms and yeah. their 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 cadence like because, okay bennings uh what did we eat for breakfast three days ago yeah yeah like that sort of shit and you could quite easily figure it out like i mean there, there's <laughs> other movies that do it and then like but that's the moment when like something snaps and it runs and it does the thing and whatever right yeah there's a there's a presumption in this movie that the monster somehow manages to take on your brain and memory as well. I get, well, I mean, we assume that because if the monster is hiding amongst everybody and acting normal-ish, then it must somehow do that. Like they kill one of them. It might have been um it might have been Clark. Uh no, I don't remember which one. They all look the same. Uh <laughs> in, in like mid transformation when it's screaming outside. Oh. Yes. And, and they even say, like, it was halfway. Oh, yeah. I didn't get his name. I wrote down Orange Vest. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, A, the scariest transformation mm. because it's, it, it oh, God. His like, hands. Yeah. And, like, the sound, the sound design of the movie is another thing that's, like, just, you know, gently awful. It's, it's very effectively yeah. haunting. Um, yeah, they mid transformation they can't catch they they catch him obviously because he's clearly uh you know pretty messed up. But then when they're doing the blood the blood test, they got the blood. A really fun idea. Loved that idea. Um, the guy who was tied up was acting like just like everybody else. Yeah. So I, we have to presume that, or assume. Presume or assume doesn't matter. Uh, I, we have to we have to assume accept. that we have to accept and believe that the monster can take over the the personality and memories somehow of those people as well. I guess it doesn't count for the husky because all huskies, you know, they're like hi, and we're like you're a dog, you can't talk, and so we wouldn't have done. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I think a lot of the heavy lifting that kind of makes me forget about the the very like the that one glaring sort of plot flaw in my in my thing, honestly, is the music. This one uh, actually was not a John Carpenter uh, joint. It was no. a Ennio uh, Morricone. Oh, Morricone. yeah. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. 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 He's very good. Yeah. And I thought I thought the, the score was great. Yeah. The uh, the the just it's again, it sounds like a Carpenter joint. Like it's just a lot of low tone. A lot of times uh, until it ramps up. I don't know. I, I dug that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so not to jump the gun. Do it. Jump it. All right. Jump over. <laughs> jump over the gun. Whoa. Oh, wow. Whew. I don't know if you saw that. That was a, that was a big gun. It was a, um, it was a Nerf water pistol. Yeah, wow. Ooh. That's Nerf for nothing. No, the um, 
the ending. Now, mm. listeners of this show, you'll know that I am not a fan, in general, of nebulous endings. And you might say, Matt, then surely you will hate this ending, which truly gives you no answer to what happens at the end of this film. Uh, to that I say, dear listener, nay, nay, straw person whom I've just invented to make my argument more sound, I actually quite love this because I feel like the entire point of the movie is paid off in the ending where we don't know. Because the whole thing is about not knowing. It's like Inception. To, to sound like a complete idiot. It, it's it's the same no. feeling of you get a conclusion of like, okay, we saved the base. Well, we didn't save the base. We destroyed the base. But but was this all out of your control the whole time? Inception. Because if they both fall asleep in the snow and one of them's an alien, one of them's getting back up. Sure. No, my point about Inception, I could kind of see it. I think that that's a tenuous, that's a tenuous agreement. Because I hate so much that I yelled, it's like Inception. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to get over that. It's okay. I'll, I'll just drop it. Um, I'll edit it in post. I'm not going to edit it Yeah, I know you're not. Um, no, uh, the, the point of the movie is very much the not knowing and so the ultimate point of not knowing is the perfect wrap up for this film. Now, John Carpenter has been asked a trillion times across his career, does he actually know who the thing is? And his and his answer has changed. He At first, he's like, no, you don't. It's supposed to be like that. That's the ending. And there were other endings. Like, you can see it on DVDs and other things where, like, where... No, uh, it's that guy. <laughs> where Mac gets back to uh, civilization. and gets his blood tested. And he's not the alien. And, like, that didn't test well. And there's one that just ends with him killing the alien and um, Childs doesn't show up. Yeah. Like, that didn't test well. So Carpenter said at at, at first, nope, he doesn't know. Then he changed his tune, I think, somewhere around the 90s or something, where he's like, yeah, I know. I know who it is. And then there was an interview. He pulled a J.K. Rowling? Something like that. Oh, God. (laughs) He became a a turf? No, he did not. Um, Then there was something uh, where it was an interview with both him and Kurt Russell about something. And... Uh, Kurt was like singing John's praises and he was like, oh man, that's the best thing about John Carpenter is you never quite know like, you know, who it is. He's like, all I know is it wasn't me, right? He, he says, he's like, it wasn't Mac. And then John Carpenter's like, I mean, it could have been. <laughs> and, and like, that's like, so it's just been played just with. been gently trolling everybody. Uh, there's, so, yeah, what's your, what's your hot, what's your little well, Easter it's, egg? It's not mine. Uh, I wish I remembered the YouTube, I mean, actually a couple YouTube videos have said this, but I watched this a bit ago. So there's a couple things that identify, air quotes, like what's actually happening at the end. One popular theory, which seems to have been debunked, is you know that uh, that Childs uh, is the monster, is the thing, because Kurt Russell's breath is like thick and heavy and you see him Mm -hmm. breathing, and Childs, you cannot see it. I love that because earlier in the movie, I was like, this movie feels convincingly cold, except that nobody has had a single visible breath at all. So, but there's also, that's been kind of debunked. You can look back and like, the character can be, like the breath is there. It's not as like Uh present, but that could be lighting, that could be angle, that could be a bunch of stuff, or it could be the point. Maybe they meant to have him not be breathing and then they had to have him breathe a little bit because he's a human being. I don't know. I don't think that's it. The other one is, there is a plot thread. Oh, what do you got? You got a little clock. Cl- I was hands. just thinking because they're filmed completely separately. So yeah, I'll bet one of them they were like, "Let's make the breath," and the other person was like, "Okay, let's get lunch, and then we'll do this take." And then the, so one person has breath and one person doesn't. Uh, I, 
maybe. I also like your theory that there's no breath. I'm being a real buzzkill no, right now. No, no, no. I don't think so. Uh, I like the I like the breath theory. I like the breath theory. Uh, it's also fairly debunked, so that's not one that they okay, they okay. right. The other one is there's a plot thread that we have not brought up yet because the movie brings it up about two or three times and then like just keeps fucking dropping it, and that is the ripped up clothes. Mm-hmm. We see multiple times that when the thing invades your body, it goes through and like your clothes shred because apparently the the you know whatever again, and they're not always bloody. But like, you're like, hey, stop throwing away your stuff in my thing or yeah. like whatever, right? Uh, there's moments where that all happens. And again, that doesn't ever pay off, pay off. And I forget the actual color scheme, so forgive me, internet, when I get this wrong. But when Child shows up at the end, he is for the first time wearing a different color set of clothes than he was in the rest of the movie. I believe he was wearing something dark blue in the beginning of the film and his coat was a darker color. Yeah, he's and this like time he's in like a sweater. he's like a tan, everything's tan. Now maybe whatever, but that could be the indicator. That's a really good point. Or that could be a a, a wardrobe mistake or malfunction and that's that. Uh I don't know. It's a pretty good one. I mean, he went out into the snow to look for Blair. He said that. He got lost in the storm, so Sure. Ooh, I I don't like this. I don't feel good about it. I don't, oh, well, I mean, what a good ending because I'm question. scared. Here's the question. Do you like the ending, though? Like, do you like the fear? Because there's differences of, yeah. like, a movie making you scared and uneasy and you still not liking how it did it, and yeah. then there's sort of the opposite. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and you know, I, I like the argument of, like, does it matter if I am if I liked it? Like, what, what does like mean? Because I'm not comfortable with the ending. I feel uncomfortable because I don't know. And also... Sure. Let's say one of them was the thing. We've already established that um, the thing can survive being frozen. So they're just, you know, I was surprised that Kurt Russell was like, okay, I guess we're not going to do anything about this because, you know, um, if he dies and it's Childs, then Childs is going to get back up at the end and probably just tromp towards whatever helicopter has landed and, uh, you know, do the thing. Yeah. Uh, But... I, I like that I am uncomfortable. To me, you've made a really good scary movie because I am still nervous and off-put because of the end of your movie. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though I do... Is it is it super satisfying? Not necessarily. Um, is it... Is it... Uh, does it leave you with a lack of closure? Yes, that's the scariest thing. But, and again, I kind of go back to... I like it, and I like again what is like. Uh, I, I I find I, I'm I try to figure out is the experience I'm having the one that the movie wanted me to have, mm. and I think a hundred percent the thing for me hits on that line. It wants me to feel unease throughout it. The point is unease. The point is unknowing. So what is the best thing at the end? It, like because it. Because at the end, I mean, this is the thing. Do you want a movie? I mean, sometimes you do, but in these particular cases where it's the the mystery of the unknown, of the danger of what could be around every corner, because of the way this film is set up, tons of characters dressed the same, don't quite know what they're doing. It's a little bit haphazard through a lot of different parts. I would argue that specificity is not the point. 
<laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's not. It's the feeling of not knowing. Yes. And they do a bunch of mini shell games with a wardrobe and character and dogs and a bunch of other shit to get you into that place. So then when you're at the end, I think, and I think test audiences agreed, that's why they didn't do it, when there's a definitive ending, when when you see how the magician does the trick, you're like, oh, neat. Yeah. And then that's it. Where now people have debated the ending of the thing for 40 fucking years. So like, how do you want to stay in the conversation and live in someone's mind rent free? You make your movie about not knowing and then it's okay to have your ending be something of that, like not knowing. Yeah, I totally agree. And and the idea of like, it, it, you're, uh, forgive me, what's your sentence? The, did the movie make you feel the way you the movie wanted you to feel? Yeah, th- th- you imagine that the director, John Carpenter, and the, and the team and everybody wanted you to feel. I mean, in, a, in the perspective of art, that's a, a, a pretty good way of... Uh, of not that you should measure the success of all art, but um, th- there's we, there's a well, what <laughs> we need the monetary value of all well, art, or else it is not art. There's there's a, a an argument to be made that you know uh, an artist an artist compelling you to feel the way they directly want you to is is maybe a successful outcome if there ever was one. I mean, I I would say that is is true. Uh, sadly. Fun fact, I'm recording next to a fake skeleton right now. Oh, yeah. The thing is kind of over there. You keep poking his knee. Yeah, uh, it's, it's out there. Right now, this is... Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, so, right now, the domestic opening box office, which I believe is just the first week, was $3 million. In 1982? In 1982. So, which is where does good. that... Okay. Uh, but domestic total of all releases and worldwide... Is only nineteen million dollars for forty so years. Since it opened and it made three million dollars, it's only made sixteen million dollars. That it, sucks. Yeah, I, I, and I might be doing a little bit of math wrong, but like the it it did. Uh, I don't really know what its budget was, um, but I was pretty maybe, high. Well, I don't. I don't know. They had to hire all those dog actors. I mean, dog actors are expensive. They really are. Uh, I, I, we don't hide. We only hide the finest ones uh, for extra credits. Um. <laughs> so, God, so sixteen million dollars. So, I mean, you can't compare it to a modern movie because of inflation. That would be too confusing. But that is awfully low, and I feel like this is a cultural touchstone movie. Yeah, the box. Even the, though the, I hadn't seen it, the budget was fifteen million. So it did not make back its for years. It bombed. That is tragic. This is a good movie, and it's the first one that Kurt, uh, that Kurt Russell that um that uh John Carpenter did like with money, like where the studio's like, all right, go. I just I can't believe it hasn't made that back. I feel like this is I don't know. I've seen bad movies, and this wonder, was a really good one. I wonder if the pla- if the if the landscape if the cinematic landscape in '82, where post Star Wars. So now mm-hmm. things are all shifting. It's funny. We again, we you could go back and listen to the extra sci-fi series we did on um, uh, as we sort of marched uh, through toward the end of what we were considering. We basically end our, our research on on sci-fi uh, at Star Wars because Star Wars changed what science fiction could be. It sort of commoditized it in an odd way because it became such a phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and many other sci-fi things got drowned out by the wayside. So I think in a post-Star Wars world, 
a alien body horror film might not be the way to go. Like, I feel like it's a, it's a, if, if this somehow came out and I'm not even talking about the technical acumen of it, like just let's say that the, the impressiveness of that, like if this came out in 75, I think it would have had a much higher, like, uh, like again, and I don't know. I'm, I am globalizing incredibly. What do you all think? Email us in only movie podcast at gmail.com. Why did the thing bomb? And what would have been the perfect year for it to have come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Email. You do it. You won't. You cowards. <laughs> if you're if you don't email, then you are the thing. Because um, the thing doesn't know how to type. Can I say something else that I liked? Yeah, please. Uh, I really liked the moment when they're testing the blood. Okay, so uh, rewind about fifteen minutes into the movie. Kurt Russell ha- is fending off the whole crew who think he maybe is the thing. Um, and uh, when one guy charges him, he uh, shoots him accidentally right in the head, killing him. I don't think it's accidental. Well, I don't think he. I think he he meant to shoot him, but I, he hits he hits the ground, and there's a moment of like, oh god, and and then when they start the scene where Kurt Russell's tied everybody up, and. Uh, they uh, decide they're going to test everybody's blood by putting a hot needle into it because the creature we've determined is like all of its cells will avoid pain. Uh, they test the blood of the deceased uh, crew members. Crew members? Uh, Bunk mates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they test Clark's, the guy who was shot, and they determined that he was human. Yeah. And there's like a moment that sucks for Kurt Russell because he has to register that he shot someone who was not an alien yeah and And i mean i I don't think that a modern movie a modern action movie of this kind might might take that moment no i mean there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh small subtle things in this that i that i appreciate they give it time for again that's kind of a john carpenter staple yeah they give it time even in his sillier stuff like he always does leave a bit of time for like a some might think of it as mundane, but yet still human interaction and uh, or or or, or um, glimpse at the way someone is feeling. Yeah. Um, no, no, that was really really good. Um, I, I yeah, I think this is one of those movies that I feel like gets brought up a lot, but not not dice. I mean, it's it's been dissected. I'm saying like at least in my circles, it's always been like, oh yeah, the thing, it's awesome. But like it is actually really nice to like break down why it's awesome because it's very easy for a, an older film, in my opinion, that everyone has like fond memories of to just fall into that category of like, oh, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you can fake your way. I've definitely said, yeah, 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 the thing's cool at a bar and then like high fived someone. And that's the end of the conversation. Was because- that was that someone met Marchetti? No, I would never lie to Matt Marchetti. All right, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> <laughs> Shout Listen, out to I had to go Matt on a Marquette. lot of Tinder dates before I met you. I'm sure I high five one of them. <laughs> All right, yeah, fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I very much enjoyed and and to be clear, everybody, we, Jamie and I, when we were sitting down thinking about what film we'd have time for and that we'd really like to deep dive into and sort of uh, experience together, Jamie made a very uh, nice list, and I saw such a nice and list. I saw this movie on there, and I was like, huh. Really? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, this makes total sense. Let's do it. Like, it was a very, very fun 
moment for me that that came up on the on the on the Jamie Wall shortlist. Yeah, well, I think I have wanted to see it for a while, but I, it it is a, a lovely little serendipitous movie that we picked because I didn't think about or remember until we were watching it that you in fact have a painting of Kurt Russell from this movie in your kitchen. Yep. Yep. Fun fact, the first time I came here, Matt was in the bathroom and I was looking around and I saw all the Kurt Russell art and I was like, what the hell's going on I, I in here? I have five p- illustrated pictures of Kurt Russell in my house. They're all nice. They're, four of them are very small <laughs> and caricature and one is a beautiful um, piece of art done by Thew who's on uh, Instagram uh, of the scene in Escape from New York. Again, a John Carpenter film where he like pushes the... Um, the the glider uh too hard uh when he's going in and he lands on the world trade centers uh it's uh, it's fucking great wait you have that in the house that's the so if the one right next to the bathroom the one that comic panel of no Kurt Russell. that's not he's not on a glider he's in a glider oh i see go look at it when we're done okay yeah uh, apparently I'll, I'll you probably, haven't you haven't admired my kurt it. russell art i've um, read it so many goddamn times yeah well it's fine it's fine uh i Really liked Kurt Russell in this movie, um, but I will say, as a as a lady, he is hotter in the meanest season, which is not a very good movie. I thought the meanest season was fine. <laughs> well, the mean, it was the fine. mean season. The mean season. The mean streets. The, means, the mean season. Yeah. It's about hurricanes. Yeah, it's well, not. It's murdered. about a serial killer. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, it was actually pretty good. I'm being a little mean, but Kurt Russell's like dressed as like a journalist in Miami, and he's wearing those big '80s glasses. And I was like, I get it, I see. This this is Kurt Russell in a parka and a giant yeah, beard. Yeah, I guess no one's hot in this movie. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, what about Wilfred Brimley? You giving him? What is yeah, him? Uh, maybe another time. Oh, okay. Okay, That's so fair. now uh, back to back to a question I thought of a long time ago. It's 2022. Yeah. Who are we casting as the crew of the Thing remake? I don't want one. I don't even want to put I, that into... Well, and uh, into... I don't think that that will happen because, again, like, the body... It'll have to be drastically different. The body horror of this can't really be redone in a way that's going to be effective today, I, I think. don't want this to come true, so I'm not going to do it. But because I love you, I will Aww. say this. I will say this. Let's do something real fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, I want you. Who would you put as Chris, uh, as Kurt Russell? You can't say Chris Pratt. Uh, no, I won't say Chris Pratt. He's having a hell of a week. Um, uh, why am I? Oh, oh Matt Berry. Matt Berry. You want Matt Berry to be in the thing? Yep. I'll take it. I'll yeah, take it. That's you what know. I want. I was I was going serious with it. I was going to say like, oh, I put, was too. You put a Michael B. Jordan in there. Nicholas Holtz. I maybe feel like is Michael B. Jordan has there. done this movie, just not the thing. I feel uh, like there's definitely been no, something. No. Um. You know. You know. Uh, Timothy Chalamet can't be in it. He's too delicate for the for the cold north. He wouldn't survive. Yeah. I don't All know. right. Uh, only right in, right in, listeners. Who would you cast in your in your celebrity fantasy uh, remake of the thing? Margot Robbie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I'll stop this exercise. Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Beast. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want them to remake. They're not. This movie. I don't think they're going to remake it. And they will. I was they thinking always, about they that. They always fucking will. Oh, maybe I can see the trailer. There's that great line. Think about this. Like, there's these pans out of the Arctic, and you hear someone say, "If I was an imitation," and then there's like a long pause, and there's like a beat, and then it's like something else spooky, and then he says, 
a perfect imitation. And then there's none. They're like, poof, poof, poof. how would you know it was me? And then the trailer wraps up and like a lot of stuff happens and it's really wild. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're, we're oh, just, there's, some, there's some loud noises. We are describing trailers in 2006 and I don't want it. You couldn't, you couldn't make this movie now because America cannot handle a dog villain. It's uncomfortable. It's upsetting. But people people are very sensitive about dogs and, and cats in movies. It's not a dog. I am one of them. It's the thing. Well, it sure was an adorable thing. I would have I would have been dead immediately. You ask me what my strategy would have been. It would have been fall for the dog. Yeah, pet the good boy. Um, well, that's quite lovely because you're a caring human being who would definitely get at first. Um, Look at Zoe right now. I know. Zoe, Zoe is just staring is, at us in a very terrifying way. She's absolutely going wee, to eat Matt. Wee, wee, wee. You can't see this. What a, what, a, what a wonderful thing for our audio Sorry. audience. Sorry, sound medium. Uh, hey, everyone. This has been the only podcast about the film The Thing. Jamie, when you are not foregoing your own safety in a research facility to just give the best pets to the goodest boy who ever dodged helicopter fire. Where can folks find you? Oh, Matthew, thank you so much for asking. Uh, I am on uh, Instagram and Twitter at jimjam underscore Walsh. I'm pretty sure that's my name. I you only you know these information. I'm really not sure, actually. Uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I follow Matt, so I'll turn up around that if you really need to find me. But you probably don't, <laughs> Matt. When you are not uh, hastily uh, lashing your uh, your coworkers to chairs to test their blood to make sure that they're not going to harm you. Where can you be found? You can find me not doing any of the things I did at PAX West over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, Pierre on Instagram or PSN. And, of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. See, that was fun. You don't know if, did I come back from PAX West or was it a thing? Matt did, okay, I do want to point out, Matt left for PAX West just looking like himself. <laughs> Matt came back with black fingernail polish, a goatee, <laughs> and what else? There was one other thing. One was other there? thing has changed about you. Was yeah, there? I had three. I had Is it my oh, and he had when he called me, his Henley shirt was completely unbuttoned, which Matt refuses to do. So I'm really not sure this is the real Matt, could, actually. It could be something completely different. Um, if you see Matt and his Henley is unbuttoned completely, you better run. Tentacles are coming. Something's up. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I'll, I'll finish with this story. I did a little Twitter thing on this, too, but I was getting ready to shave for a panel I was speaking on, and I accidentally didn't check my razor, my electric razor, and I went to, like, trim my beard, my like, the side part of my beard, and it just took it off. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And so I had to clean it up, so now I just have, like, a goatee and scruffle, and it's fine, but I do look a little bit evil. You look, you're gallant. You look like you're gonna do some shit with train tracks or something. <laughs> it's it's evil. Matt, you're evil, Matt. Put that on. Multiverse, multiverse. Matt is here, and he's still doing the podcast. So Shahir, I guess don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about it. Something happens to regular Matt. 
every other Matt in the multiverse is also going to do the podcast. Everything's fine. So you'll never escape Marvel. There's there's always a lighthouse. Uh, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please email us in with your thoughts about the thing or anything else going on in cinema at uh, the only uh, only movie podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at onlymoviepod on Twitter. Matt, I think we should go get two blankets and a bottle of bourbon and sit outside until we freeze to death. Uh, well, let's wait for it to snow. All right. Um, and then we'll see who the real alien is. Isn't that right, Zozo? Yeah, now she's quiet. Anyway, we'll talk to you all next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.